It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two, JT with you on Raider Nation Radio 9. 9.20 a.m. as we continue on, and we are brought to you by my very good friends at Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Remy Martin, raise your cocktail game. You see Remy Martin everywhere, and you could take your cocktail game to the next level with any of the great Remy products that are out there. We really appreciate our partnership heading into the football season with Remy Martin, raise your cocktail game. Just back, got back from a week's vacation in Florida. And I was telling Bobby about it before we came back. I think I'm going to retire the red eye. I'm going to do a podcast with this with Looney tomorrow. For years, before I got married, and even when I got married, I was the king of the uh, red eye because I always work at night. I always work at night, and I get off the radio. So I always wanted to work the last day before vacation, then get on a plane, which is a way for me not to get an extra day of vacation on the back end. So my wife and I got Monday, last Monday, we got to the airport with my sons, who are 20 and 18. Now they're not kids in strollers, so it's a little bit easier. You just load them up with food, which costs about 50 bucks inside the terminal to get them food to take on the plane. And our flight was at 12.20 a.m. on Monday night. They delayed us till 4 in the morning. So finally, no mas. We, went to, we said, we'll go home. And then we'll fly out. They said, no, 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 no. The plane's coming in from Chicago to go to Dallas. So we're taking a red eye to Jacksonville. And we got on the plane at 4 in the morning. So we landed in Dallas. Obviously, our connecting flight was not there. It was long gone hours ago. We got rebooked. And great, we only missed about four or five hours on the front end of the trip, which was fine. But you're up all night in an airport. So that was it. And then... Two days ago, I was supposed to fly back and be here yesterday to do the show. We get to the airport. Our flight's at 7 o'clock at night. So we're going to land in Vegas at about 10.45 p.m. And we get there, and it's blue skies like a movie. It's blue skies. And they said there's 55-mile-an-hour winds in Dallas. They canceled the flight. So my sister-in-law had to drive and pick us back and take us back. And then for the first time in my life, I told my wife, I got to get back to work. She goes, what do you want to do? I go, I'm going to get on the 6 a.m. Leave this certain airline that I'll never do business with again. <laughs> I jumped on Southwest at 6 a.m. I got back here. So that was good. And then my wife and my son stayed for the rest of the day and flew back. And they were on time. And I picked them up last night at midnight. So the moral of the story is, if you're taking a late flight with a connector, no chance. Flight's late, you're done, done. So I'm going to retire the red eye unless it's a boys' trip with my buddies. We go golf, we go do something. I'll take a late flight. But when you're trying, Bobby, to get rebooked with a family of four, a lot of these flights are so full that they might have one ticket, but you got to go standby. And you can't go standby with a family of four. You just can't because it's too much. You don't want to divide and conquer. So we did that, and it was interesting. And I, I said to my friend, in Jacksonville, I said, wait till the businessmen and women get back in the airport. There's none. You know, the guy or the gal that flies from Detroit to Kansas City for two days of a contract, they're nowhere to be found in the airport. When those people come back into the airport, the chaos in these airports are unbelievable. And you got to be masked up. 
So you have to be in a mask in an airport. Too bad if you don't like it. Don't go. And the mask police are running around now again, because the COVID numbers are spiking. Which leads me to this COVID topic here in Vegas. It could take a four-year-old to understand what I'm about to say. So here's the JTPSA. We have too many people coming here, which we love. We love when too many people come here. That's what we do in Vegas. We want the crowds to be overwhelming. Too many people are coming here unvaccinated. And they're spreading COVID. And our numbers are going to go up. So the non-vaccinated... So I'm pro-vaccination. I'm vaxxed. And the president and the former president are vaxxed. And all the athletes are vaxxed. And Bruce Sirian said it yesterday. Well, 80% or 75% of them are. So they're all saying, do it. And the people who are holding out for whatever their reason is, I could care less. I'm not here to preach to them. They're not going to listen to me. But the point is, we're in Vegas. We're in Vegas. And there's too many people coming here who, when they get here, they don't care about anything. They treat our city like it's an adult playground, and then they come, and then they leave. But if they're not coming in vaccinated, and we don't know, they're spreading COVID everywhere, and the numbers are going to go up. So that's my soapbox moment for sports, because I've been hosting radio shows throughout COVID, and I know how lean it can get. I know what it's like when there's no sports. It's really not cool. My, my business is really easy and really fun. Unless there's no sports. Unless you cancel everything, and i got to fill five hours of radio every day with no sports. I don't want to see that happen again. So there are some people that need to be coaxed into winning a lottery to get vaccinated. There are other people that need certain things to get vaccinated. The vaccines have been around for a long time now. I would hope that everybody would do this so we could all go into Allegiant Stadium together and we go down that road again. I don't want to go through what we did last time this year. We remember how bad that was when we talked about on this air that there'd be no fans at Allegiant Stadium. Okay, and the way this thing is trending, and I think there'll be 100% capacity at Allegiant, which is great, but I kind of know where I'm going here, right? So let's hope that the people who come here do the right thing, and I don't have any confidence that they will. Seems like all the unvaxxers can't wait to get to Vegas and spread COVID, and we don't need that here right now. Different topic. I opened up the show thanking Mark Bedane, who resigned as the president of the Raiders. Had a massive impact on my life. Really one of my biggest, biggest supporters, and I supported him. It was a gut punch when I found out on Monday. He resigned for whatever reason. He resigned, made that decision. I stay in my lane with the Raiders. There have been many, 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 many people before me who contributed much more to the Raiders than I have, who have resigned, been traded, been cut, unfortunately passed away. There are a lot more stories out there. I just wish Mark Bedane, his wife Amy, and their kids nothing but the best. He was a rock for me. From Oakland, when we were going through hell up in Oakland sometimes, and things got ugly, and I was on the radio, and he'd be calling me right after the show telling me, hey, I listened to everything you said, you were spot on, or if I wasn't, he'd give me the opinion of him, and he gave me the ability to look at it in a different lens. I'm going to miss that. We're still going to be great friends, and I hope to spend a lot more time with him in his life, but uh, all the best to Mark Bedane. Everyone in the Raiders who are listening who knew him and know how many loyal people there were to him, all we can do is say great things about him. At least I can. My friends mean everything to me. Mark Bedane is a valued friend, and I wish him and his family nothing but the best going forward. And Dan Ventrelli, who takes over, is a gentleman I've known for a very long time, too, and I have tremendous confidence in him with his mind, his finance mind, 
and knowing the footprint of the Raiders here in Vegas and all the work that went in behind the scenes here in Vegas. So uh, all the best to him and everybody else. Just wanted to get that in at the top of both hours as we continue on. I'll get to Giannis coming up here in a little bit, which I think is an incredible story. It was a fantastic, fantastic game. I really enjoyed that. And uh, breaking news today. I never former, about the draft pick. Breaking news today. Bobby Bowden, the Hall of Fame coach, has been diagnosed with terminal medical condition cancer. The family announced that today. And uh, it's a sad time. He's 91 years old. He's lived a long, beautiful life at Florida State, 34 seasons before retiring in 2009. He dealt with a tough bout of COVID in October, hospitalized for five days, and obviously there are prayers going out for Bobby Bowden. And I wanted to mention Greg Knapp, the passing coordinator for the Jets, got in a very serious, serious bicycle accident. He was a former coach with the Raiders up in Danville in the Bay Area, and he is in critical condition. And that was also a gut punch because anybody who knows Greg Knapp and been around him with the Raiders knew how serious that story was. And we wish him well. And it doesn't, it's a very, very serious accident. And then finally, I wanted to get into it here in this monologue as we open up this hour. The A's, I am in non support of the A's coming here. Okay, so this is where I stand. I will not support the A's coming to Vegas. I watch what they did to the Raiders in Oakland. I know the backstory. I know it better than anybody on the radio by far in this market. I choose, I'm not in the A's business, I'm in the Raider business. Okay, everybody who's associated and knows the Raiders and know what really happened with the A's, to me, it, it is disturbing that they're coming to Vegas after the Raiders did all the head work getting here and they finally got there because it didn't work in Oakland. That doesn't mean the A's can't come. There are many people, much higher up on the food chain than me, that are going to welcome the A's here. And that won't be a problem. Many of my friends are going to say this is great for the economy and all that. And I believe that. I think a baseball team here would be good for the economy. I don't think it'll work. I think it works well with a minor league team in this town at Las Vegas Ballpark in my neighborhood with Don Logan. I think the A's are a shady-run organization. I think their owner is a mess. He's one of the richest owners in sports. He doesn't want to do anything for the fans up there. And Dave Cavill's a carnival barker that no one here in Vegas knows. Remember, no one knew Mark Davis here either. How do you like Mark Davis now? A lot of people like Mark Davis for what he's done and Mark Bedane and what they did with the stadium. These guys coming in are carnival barkers. They want to come here and they want to use Oakland as a pawn. Raiders stayed in Oakland forever. Couldn't get a deal done, went to L.A., came back. What happened with the A's signing that 10-year lease behind the Raiders' back? Split me for good. Sorry, can't be an A's and Raiders fan. If you are, I'm not trying to change your fandom. I will not back the A's coming to Vegas. I have no interest. I think it's a bad idea. Putting a baseball stadium in Henderson or Summerlin, good luck. Good luck with that. It won't work. I don't think it'll work, and I don't think people are going to come on a Tuesday night, 40,000 fans in this economy, and support a baseball team. If I'm wrong, it will not be the first time. It won't. And if our... If our station here ends up being the flagship of the A's, fantastic if it's good for business here. I will not be involved with it. So I do not support the A's coming to Vegas because I know the people behind the scenes and I know what they're really like and I don't think it's a good fit. But again, people disagree with me on the Raiders when they got here. And I was never pro-Raiders leaving Oakland. Anybody who knows me knows that. Because I was getting on a plane for 17 years flying to Oakland. I was here the whole time and no one knew. 
You live in Vegas, JT? Yeah, I live in Vegas. Never once got on the radio and said, I hope they move. I would have commuted to Oakland as long as they would have let me. But the Raiders got here first before the A's. There's bad blood between the Raiders and the A's, and that's the fact. Jack. So if you want the A's to be here and you're going to jump on that bandwagon, I wish you nothing but fun. You will not see me there other than when the Yankees come. I'll buy the best four seats behind home plate, and I'll wear a Yankee jersey. 702-365-9200. Bill Huber, kind enough to join us, one of the great Packer insiders, and I really appreciate him coming in on short notice considering what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. He writes for PackerCentral.com and also SportsIllustratedSI.com. Bill, thanks for coming on. And look, Adam Schefter broke the story. I don't know how much the actual numbers of the contract might have been. It's hard to tell exactly what Rodgers turned down. Yeah, I don't know either, JT. Goodness knows I've tried. Um, It's just like Little bits that leak out, but you, you, no one ever says the full story. Um, look, everybody you know, I think knows how these NFL contracts work. I mean, they could have offered Rodgers one trillion dollars, but if it's not guaranteed, if there's no guaranteed, or if it's not a you know certain percentage of I mean, it, it's all it's like monopoly money. So I don't, I don't know what to make out of that. I mean, wouldn't I, you assume I, I though, because Rodgers is a sharp right, guy and but... he's cashed a lot of checks already? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't we all assume if Adam Schefter's reporting this and it was? a two-year extension that it was probably probably pretty legit. I mean, the Packers aren't going to pull a fast one on Aaron Rodgers and his agent. So if, they, if they're claiming and, and Schefter's saying that he'd be the highest-paid player in the league, I, I would agree with that. I think he probably turned down some serious money. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, I, I, just, again, this all dates back to, you know, the start of the offseason where, you know, the, the GM renegotiated everybody's contracts under the sun to get the salary cap. He didn't touch the quarterback's contract. And, you know, here, here's Rodgers. You know, he, he wins MVP. And, and as he told I mean, he told us a number of times during the season, nothing, is, nothing changed. Um, he did everything he was supposed to do and more. And from his perspective, nothing regarding the succession plan that we all – you know, we, we we all could see happen the minute they drafted Love. Nothing changed, and and mm-hmm. that's so. So when Shepard said it's not about money, yeah, that's that's probably true. Uh, and now here we are a week out from reporting date, and I don't know, I don't know how it gets worked out. Um, you know, the Packers don't have to trade them. Rogers doesn't want to be here. Um, the fifty thousand dollar fines are mandated by the NFL and can't just be swept under the rug. So I don't I don't know the solution. Here. Someone's going to have to to buckle big time at some point. Bill Huber's our guest. Bill, going back to last year when you were covering him and seeing him, and I know most of it was virtual because of Zooms and COVID-19, did you sense it would get this late into the offseason? Everybody knew he was upset about Jordan Love. Everyone understood the contract. Everybody knew that there was potential for them to be some fallout. But that was a while ago after you worked a really tough season, grinding information and doing most of it virtually did you sense that we'd be at this point with a week before camp still at an impasse? No, not at all. Not 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 during the season. In fact, I mean, during during the season, he talked any number of times about where he was mentally. in this positive. I think I think his words were positive mind space or, or, or variations of him. He, he talked about it throughout the year how um, he wasn't gonna let, he wasn't going to let the draft pick pull him down, and he was super positive with his teammates with with the floor. Um, I think the first time that we all thought something really was up was when he, and this wasn't specific to me, but I, I had the last question after the NFC Championship game, 
Mm-hmm. And I asked whatever the heck I asked, and he ends, he ends up thanking reporters for their time. He's never done that, and, he, and he's gotten along with us all over the years. But he thanked us um, for for our coverage and everything for the year. And it was at that point where you think something's up. Um, it wasn't just the heat of the moment. You know, Rogers never says anything. He's the moment. He's always he's always very um, what he says is very well thought out. And, and it was at that moment where you thought this is. Uh, this isn't just, isn't just the bitter end to a season. There's something a bit more going on than, than we all knew. Bill Huber's our guest. So he had this golf break. I've been talking about that because these were big golf tournaments. He, he had to play a lot of golf. He's playing on television with DeChambeau, Phil, and Tom Brady. That's no walk in the park. I mean, every shot is analyzed. And then he played in Tahoe, as you know, at the biggest celebrity golf tournament in the world, the American Century, where you got to show up for that. You just can't be a weekend warrior. So... I bet you a lot of preparation went into all of that as a distraction to deal with the media. There wasn't a ton of media, not that he was going to talk to any in Tahoe. And then he was buried out in Montana where a lot of people couldn't get to him, and he blew off the question on TNT. So now do you sense that the debate shows are doing that, Bill? The cable, loud, screaming debate shows are going to talk about this every day. Are you sensing the heat's going to get turned up in a matter of days here? Yeah, um, you know, it's what we talked about before. Um, it, it gets real on July 27th. That's when, when players report, and if you're not there, the, the fines begin. Um, look, the guy's got more money than God. <laughs> Everybody knows that, but, I mean, 50000 that, that that adds up in a hurry. Um, and, again, the, those are mandated fines. The Packers just can't um, just wipe yeah. them clean. So that that's where the rubber hits the road. And, um, you know, he, he hates preseason games. He hates – um, joint practices, so there's all those things. I mean, does he does he sit out till you know late to mid mid to late August? Um, does he give a I'm going to retire ultimatum to force a trade? Hell, I don't know. I mean, your guess is as good as mine at this point. Yeah, Bill Huber's our guest. It's a really tough spot for you to be in. I'm in all that time. I go on other shows with the Raiders, and people talk about contracts, and I say the same thing. You know the same as we do. If there's an impasse between a coach and owner and a player. The agent is the only one that knows where they're at in that negotiation. Right. Let me change gears a little bit and ask about Jordan Love. He's getting all the work, which is great for him, and that worked out the year that Brett Favre was going back and forth and Rodgers got all the work, and they were blown away reportedly on how great Rodgers looked when he was about to take over for Favre. Are you sensing that with Jordan Love, that there are people in the organization saying, wow, he looks great, or is he struggling? Well, he was pretty up and down. Look, I mean – I don't, I don't think anybody expected anything different. Um, but there was the, gosh, I, I think it was the second mini camp practice. And this mm-hmm. is the one where Devontae Adams showed up and the receivers. I mean, everybody was there. He was incredible. I mean, he wasn't just like grading on a curve incredible. Um, if Aaron Rodgers had the day that Jordan Love had, we were always talking about what a great day Aaron Rodgers had. It was, you know, for a lot of the offseason, it was a lot of check downs and dinking and dunking. And all of a sudden, he gets to all these, his receivers are all there. And it was big play here, big play there. Guy, you know, completed pass and striving. He was really, really good, legit, really good. Then the next day, he kind of regressed a bit and was just kind of okay again. Look, it's the first-time starter who had no preseason last year. Um, I don't think anybody expects, if it has to go that way, that Jordan Love is going to come in and there not be any growing pains. There's going to be growing pains. Um, but it, it was that practice, and it wasn't just how he played, JT. It was the reaction among his teammates. You know, the, the more big plays he made. It got louder and louder on the practice field. Like there's this legit buzz from the, his teammates 
were certainly paying attention. I'm talking offense and defense both. There's a legit buzz that day. Both this guy was doing where, look, he wasn't very good last training camp. Um, maybe there's some doubts out there or some concerns or, you know, just some questions about what, what this kid could do and that he had a really, really big day. I think probably made some guys feel better about what could happen at some point. Bill, as we wrap this up, you know, a quarterback could miss and not play preseason games and be, be in every snap in practice and work out with the team and be involved with the team every day. And then the season starts, they didn't throw one ball in the preseason or they play one half and they're fine. But if Rodgers plays this out as long as he can and he doesn't show up to camp and he doesn't play in any preseason games, would you be concerned about anything or would everybody else say, we'll take it? He'll be fine for the opener getting zero reps in the offseason and pick it right back up and maybe it takes him a week to get the rust off? What do you think could happen on a positive note with that? Yeah, I think he'd be fine. Um, look, they were number one in the NFL in scoring last year. The offense is really good. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me because I'm talking on the phone. I think mm-hmm. there's probably a three-week window between the end of the preseason and then week one. Um, that's a hell of a long time for a better yeah. quarterback um, to crank it back up. I mean, I'm sure he's not you, – you mentioned he's been playing a lot of golf. I, I, I'm sure he has not been ignoring football. Um, I think when, whenever it's time for him to go, whether it's here or, God forbid, somewhere else, um, talking from Packer Nation, the, the meltdown that would ensue, um, yeah, he'll, he'll be just fine. You know, the guy's, got, the guy's got too much pride to just sit on yeah. his butt and do nothing and just, just show up. Um, he'll, he'll be ready to go. Yeah, last preseason games on August 28. Bill, last one. Are there any COVID concerns? I was just cross-country. I was in Florida, and Florida's wide open. I'm in Vegas. Our COVID numbers are going up because everyone on God's green earth is visiting Vegas, <laughs> including those who are not vaccinated. You can imagine. What's the concern in Wisconsin about COVID numbers and the start of the season? Is that taking any buzz off the radio? Any, any traction on that topic? Yeah, actually, Wisconsin's in pretty decent shape. Look, Wisconsin, and, and, you know, the NFLPA puts out this thing every week during the season last year. Green Bay was, per capita, the worst NFL city in the in the league last year um, for probably three-quarters of the season. Um, I think now things are pretty decent. But, you know, there is a concern. You know, it's going to be, like every NFL stadium, it's going to be full house. Um, there's going to be no vaccination requirement at this point um it's just basically it's the honor system you know mm. if you're not vaccinated you're supposed to wear a mask well you know that's not gonna happen um and, and players too I don't, I don't know the team vaccination rate i asked somebody he didn't know um but they'll be just like every other team there's gonna be unvaccinated players up there um so yeah there's concerns for sure um but certainly having gotten through last year i think they are infinitely more confident they can get through this year Absolutely. Always appreciate your time, Bill. Thanks a lot for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, JT. You take care too, Bill. Thank you. Bill Huber covering the Packers. You know, when he he just said there at the end, that just hit me hard. Fans, we're not going to know under the current scenario, could change. That'll get people triggered. But currently, if you're not vaccinated, you could lie about it and you're supposed to wear a mask. That's not going to happen. Okay, people are not going to be the only one in a section wearing a mask and everyone going, oh, that's the guy who's not. That's not going to happen. But the players have a big decision to make because they want to get him to 100%. They're not. They're not going to get to 100%. Michael Irvin just went nuts on this topic. Because Michael Irvin talking about the Cowboy numbers. Do you really want to win 
is basically what Michael Irvin said. Because if you're not vaccinated and your teammates are, and it could bring danger to the team and COVID issues and all that, do you really want to win? And that comes from the playmaker who's got three Super Bowl victories. So he knows how to win. And that's his opinion, and I respect it. But what's going to happen now with the Raiders, I have no idea what their vaccination rate is. I think it's going to be pretty high. I'm, I'm sensing it's going to be very high. I know John Gruden takes it very seriously, along with Mike Mayock, the owner, and everybody. Everybody knows the elephant in the room, especially in Vegas. Because in Vegas, I think there's more risk. There could be risk anywhere. You can sit next to one person and get COVID. could be anywhere. You can be in a tiny village in a tiny town and get it. Or you can be in front of 70,000 fans at a football game. They want to button this up quickly. And I really think it's going to be the next big story of Roger Goodell. Notice Roger Goodell's radio silent on this. He sees the COVID numbers going up. He knows about the new variant. He knows about the people who are in hospitals now, the doctors and nurses who are putting out this information in an alarming fashion. Where's Roger Goodell on it? I think Roger Goodell went big. He went big and said around the draft, we're going 100%. He does not want to walk that back. He's not going to walk that back unless a governor in a certain state, possibly in the South, says, look at the numbers here. We have no choice but to shut it down. We have to shut down and bring this back to 50% or bring it back to 25%. I don't see that happening. I think the NFL is staunch, and they're going to they're gonna play in front of full capacity and hope that everybody gets vaccinated and does the right thing. But we are in a unique town in this country because people who are coming here do not care. They drive here from California. They drive here from Arizona. They fly here. And they don't care. They use Vegas as an adult playground, and then they get the hell out of here. And they even leave some of their luggage. They even leave stuff in the room. They're like, I'm not coming back. That's what we do here. So it's going to be a really important couple of weeks. And we'll get into Well, hopefully I won't get into that. I don't want to talk about this unless it becomes mainstream news and it ties into sports. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. Again, my idea of hearing from Tom Flores fans it's kind of working. I was expecting nine calls on hold every day, but I was off for a week, and I don't know if people think I'm live right now because I was on vacation. I'm live on the radio, and we're trying to pay tribute to Tom Flores. So every hour of every show, I want to hear from some Tom Flores fans as we're counting down to Canton in a couple of weeks. 702-365-9200. When we come back, I haven't mentioned it yet, but I want to get into Giannis Antetokounmpo and say goodbye to the NBA. Are you happy that the NBA is over? Yeah, I think Bobby, like you just said, hey, a lot of people are. But we'll put a bow on it. It was a tremendous, tremendous performance by Milwaukee down 0-2 to win four in a row. And how did they get it done, and what does it mean for the NBA going forward? Raider Nation Radio. Chris Paul inbound, looking in for Booker, who takes a three, no good, Tucker with the rebound, the Suns are not going to foul, it's been a 50-year journey, Wisconsin, we've got a room at the top of the world tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions, let the celebration begin. That's the Bucks Radio Network. JT back with you as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 
AM, good to be back from a nice uh, week vacation in Florida, St. Augustine. We're brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. I love Remy Martin so much that as I was on St. George Street with my brother-in-law, he took me to an old throwback bar called the Prohibition, and there was Remy Martin behind the bar, and I ordered a Remy Martin sidecar for my brother-in-law, Greg, and myself, and we loved it. He said, what was this? I said, trust me, you'll love it. Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence, as we're teaming up for in-depth team coverage for the Raiders this season. We'll get back to the Raiders as we always do, but I wanted to go back to last night and the Bucks winning the NBA title. I was on the air last night on my national show on Sirius XM and the Bucks won 105-98. to And I took a lot out of that game last night. We First off, we put a bow and we wrap up the NBA season. So there's a bunch of big topics that come out of all of this, what happened last night, and I think they're very important going forward. First off, is that the Bucks did it right. They built a team over the last couple of years based on Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he was their draft pick. And when Giannis was drafted, if you recall, and I do well, because we always cover the NBA draft, when Giannis was drafted, he was a reach. He was the Greek freak, and nobody knew. Nobody knew if Giannis was going to be a superstar. Now, the Bucks saw some tremendous athletic ability with him, just like Dallas sees that with Luka Doncic. I remember Dallas with Dirk Nowitzki when we're talking about foreign-born players. San Antonio was very successful with Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. But Giannis is a little bit different here because he was such a young kid, a baby, when he came into the league in 2013-14. Remember, in his first season, he played 77 games. He only started... 23, and he averaged 6.8 points a game. In his second year, he played 81 games, started 71, averaged 31 minutes a game, and he averaged 12.7 points a game. That's not LeBron coming in or, you know, a superstar coming into the league. In his third year with Milwaukee, 80 games, he started 79, and he had 16.9 points a game. So we're in for the first three years, and no one was saying that this guy is the next Kareem, he's the next superstar in this league, nobody. Because he was growing into his body, he was so skinny, and no one knew as a power forward if he would develop into this great player. And then all of a sudden it started to explode. 2016-17, he played all 80 games, he averaged 23 points a game, and then his career took off. They offered him a Supermax contract, he signed it. I recall being on the radio at that time saying, why? You're going to get to free agency in a couple of years, Giannis. Wait. They're going to pay you in Miami and New York? They'll pay you anywhere to leave Milwaukee, a small market. But Giannis couldn't turn down the money because with a Supermax deal, he got the most amount of money to stay with his team. So he signed his first extension. He just signed the Supermax deal. He's under contract through 2026. And Milwaukee rolled the dice, and they got a great player. And nobody knew how great he would be. Remember, 2013, he was drafted in the first round with the 15th pick overall. 14 other teams did not select Giannis Antetokounmpo. How do you think they're feeling at this point in time? Pretty incredible when you think about it, right? To go back in the hot tub time machine and get Giannis, and Milwaukee was able to do that. Then, Milwaukee recently traded two first-round picks to get Drew Holiday. 
Drew Holiday, very good player, great defensive player. They went all in on him to go get him. And then I thought it was great that they always had Chris Middleton, and they paid Chris Middleton a max deal to stay in Milwaukee. And Chris Middleton now turns out to be a superstar because he's got an NBA championship ring now. And Middleton has had an unbelievable career, but no one thought that he'd be, you know, the number two on a super team. Maybe a number three on a super team, but not a number two on a super team. And they were able to pay him and keep him together. So remember, Middleton came into the league with Detroit. He's been with Milwaukee since 2013-14, where he averaged for the first three years around 13, 14, 15 points a game. And he developed into a star. But one of the other things I wanted to touch on, because it's important to Vegas, which would be a smaller a smaller NBA market. Vegas is not a big city yet, even with the Golden Knights and the Raiders here, that I think eventually Vegas is going to get an NBA team. It's either going to be A-Rod moving the Minnesota Timberwolves, New Orleans, or Memphis in those smaller towns. I think New Orleans is a train wreck. If they didn't have Zion, they'd probably be in Vegas already. So one of those teams are going to eventually come here, and Vegas is different than Milwaukee because it's the entertainment capital of the world. But Milwaukee won last night and ended a 50-year drought. And they did it in a smaller market because they took some chances. They rolled the dice. They gave away draft picks, a lot of draft picks, to get Drew Holiday. They stuck it out with Giannis, a 15th pick overall in the draft. They didn't trade up to number one or number two to get Giannis. And they went with some good players. This roster with Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton as a star. But the rest of the players on this team stepped up and played at a very high level. P.J. Tucker, tremendous performance by P.J. Tucker in the NBA Finals. He elevated his game to a very high level. So congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks because a small market team won. And they won because everything broke well for them, which normally doesn't happen in sports all the time. You trade a bunch of draft picks and you go get a player, and then that player doesn't do well. Next thing you know, you don't have the draft picks. And this last year and last night, Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN made a very good point. He said that the Bucs won this year the attrition mentally and physically. A lot of teams and a lot of players had a really rough time playing during COVID. Last year, the NBA finished in the bubble in pure isolation in Orlando. Started this year without a bubble, but without fans. And then started to let fans in. Uh, Speaking of fans, how about the 65,000 fans? last night outside that arena, plus the 18,000 fans inside. So whatever you thought about the Milwaukee fan base with the Brewers, the Bucks, we know how big the Packers are. That was incredible to see how many people there. That was a sea of humanity. But it was a small market team that won. Now, did Milwaukee catch a break that Kyrie Irving was hurt and James Harden wasn't 100% with that hamstring? Yeah. If Kevin Garnett's foot wasn't on the three-point line, you know, we're talking about Mike Budenholzer getting fired and Brooklyn advancing and probably winning the NBA title. But in sports, you get a break from time to time, a tip ball in the NFL, a missed field goal, whatever it is, you catch a break, and then you capitalized on it. But last night, I took a lot of phone calls from Milwaukee fans, and it got pretty emotional from them. 50 years is the drought. So anybody in their 20s, 30s, and 40s never experienced an NBA title in that market. But they stuck it out with that team. They built a new arena, something very important here in Vegas. Build it, and they will come. 
something that I love talking about all the time. Build it, and they will come. And they rolled the dice. What happens if they build that brand-new arena in Milwaukee and Giannis decides he doesn't want to stay and wants to be a free agent? They put the hard hat on Giannis, got him involved with construction, told him the arena was built for him. He bought in. He bought in, and he felt great about it because he's a foreign-born player from Greece. Milwaukee was fine with him, and he wasn't looking to get to the palm trees of Miami and Los Angeles. Now, I don't know how many they're going to win, but Giannis was going to win a championship. He wasn't going to join that club of Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Stockton, and Malone. He, he wasn't going to be shut out. Now the fact that he has a ring, it'll be interesting to see if he wants to stay there long term. I think a guy who makes $28 million a year has endorsements, global endorsements. Remember, he's got global endorsements in Europe and Greece that we don't know about. He's a great kid. I was watching the game with my wife late last night. We watched the highlights, and she said, what a great young man. What a great kid this is, as he just says everything right. And then Mike Budenholzen. Something to think about here when you talk about coaches in any sport. Budenholzen was going to get run out in the playoffs if he didn't advance to the conference finals. They were running him out. We were talking about it every night. And now Mike Budenholzer from the Greg Popovich tree of coaching is an NBA champion. And he should be set. And the difference between getting a contract extension and a championship ring on top of being fired, he's the example. That's the difference between Getting a long-term deal and getting a ring and being fired is Mike Budenholzen, who I got a chance to meet a few times back in the day when I was going to San Antonio a lot covering the Spurs and their five championships, and he was on the staff of Greg Popovich. He always knew what he was doing, but fans get worked up because they're not winning, and they felt like this was going to be it, the last chance. And in regards to Chris Paul, let me wrap this up with Chris Paul. I'm, never, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan, but he's a great player. He's one of the all-time greats, 10-time All-NBA player. He doesn't have a ring now. I don't think he's going to get one. Chris Paul had a two-games-to-none lead. Monty Williams, the head coach, they had Milwaukee right where they wanted him, and they lost four in a row. Chris Paul had a lot to do with that. He didn't play well. Earlier today, as I was prepping for the show, all the debate shows were debating Chris Paul's future. He's got a contract option to stay I don't think Phoenix wants to pay him all this money. I wouldn't pay him all this money on the back end of his career. The only aging players in sports that I would pay on the back end of their career are LeBron James and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'd give Aaron Rodgers a new five-year deal wherever he wanted to play. and wouldn't wink at it. But Chris Paul, I wouldn't do that. Chris Paul had his chance to win this title, and he couldn't get it done. But he was in the arena. He was battling, played at a very high level, And there's no chance in hell Phoenix makes the NBA Finals without Chris Paul. Did Chris Paul and the Suns get a break because Anthony Davis was hurt? Absolutely. They went through Denver. When you look at Utah on the other side, the number one seed in all of basketball was the Utah Jazz. They were the one seed out west. Philly was out east. A lot of things had a break well for Phoenix. But they had great chemistry, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, But I don't know if Chris Paul is ever going to get back to that point again. And if he doesn't, who cares? He's probably worth well over $100 million in lifetime contracts and endorsement deals. He's the head of the union. He's going to continue to have big contracts because of the contract he's under now. And Chris Paul, even though he's getting ripped up and down the dial today and on these debate shows that are screaming more than ever looking for content, I got to give Chris Paul a lot of credit. 
put up a hell of a fight, and that was an entertaining series. The final point I wanted to make on this before we come back, which is a big one, is the NBA is done now. So we're, we, we covered a lot of NBA on this show, on Raider Nation Radio. I wasn't going to do a month and a half and no Raiders, you know, no NBA with not a lot happening with the Raiders. I told you that in advance. I do a sports talk show, and there was nothing bigger than the NBA the last month and a half. But now the NBA is done. So we have the draft. If there's a big blockbuster move in free agency, we'll talk about it here on this show in this time slot. But now we get a chance to move on, and I think a lot of fans blew off the NBA this year and didn't watch it for political reasons. They didn't like LeBron James. Whatever it was, they didn't like this style of play. If you missed out on this NBA Finals, you made a big mistake. It was good. It was well played. We had a small market team win led by an iconic player. He's going to go down as one of the greats of all time and had one of the greatest finals that we will ever see. I repeat, one of the greatest NBA finals that we will ever see in our lifetime. And that is very important. Giannis's averages in six games. Look at these numbers. Think of these numbers here and what Giannis was able to do. This was a guy who put up 40 points in his sleep. And he was dominant when he needed to be in the biggest spots in the biggest games. And to go out and put up 50 in the closeout game of the NBA Finals, that is special. That is super special. Again, I don't know how many more games he's going to win in his life, how many more titles, but all you need is one. And right, Raider Nation? It's been a long drought for the Raiders going back to Super Bowl 18 after winning Super Bowl 15 and 11. Okay, we're talking about 55 Super Bowls here, and the Raiders haven't won since Super Bowl 18. Kind of a drought like Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee had a drought of 50 years. The Raiders aren't there yet. But what's the takeaway for the Raiders? Build through the draft, have a, a defining legendary player. I don't think they have one on this roster. Josh Jacobs has the chance to be real special. You know I'm a Derek Carr fan. But Derek Carr is not Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know that. And the Raiders are going to have to build the team the right way, make trades, and hopefully give up picks the way. Look how I'm tying this into the Raiders, huh? That the big move was Milwaukee giving up two first-rounders for Drew Holiday. Will the Raiders end up giving up two first-round picks down the road for a player who could turn out to be their Giannis Antetokounmpo? Don't know. Don't know what's going to happen going forward. 702-365-9200. Again, long travel to get back from my trip. I had a lot of travel problems. Not booking red eyes anymore. I can promise you on that. But I wanted to spend today uh, thanking Mark Bedane, who's been the president of the Raiders for a long time and had a big impact on my life and my family's life. I don't know what it's like to work for the Raiders without Mark Bedane. Mark Bedane's been there for 30 years. He resigned I opened up the show talking about it, and if you want to talk about that again, you know some of the people that work for the Raiders who are no longer with the Raiders mean everything to me because of the relationships I built with them over my lifetime. I consider them friends and family, and this one was a tough one for me because I wish Mark Bedane and his wife, Amy, and their family nothing but the best. Man, has Mark Bedane done a lot for my life, a lot for my life. I could never thank him enough for what he did and to come back and to know the news of his resignation and I just wish him well going forward and the Raiders it's next man up when it comes to football and players and it has been with coaches and it will be that way 
within the organization from a business side and leadership side. But wanted to make sure today that I spent a bunch of time uh, thanking Mark Bedane, especially for this radio station. He was the architect of this. He put this together, and we had countless conversations, countless on the road, on airplanes, about what his vision would be to get the Raiders a real flagship radio station, which is a work in progress, and we try to make it better every day, and this is a big year coming up for everything here. But I I know for a fact that there's no Raider Nation radio without Mark Bedane, period, and his vision and what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it the right way. And hopefully I, along with my teammates here, can make him proud and the Raider Nation proud down the road for getting this station and the signal and everything we do here with our partners to the point where you're very proud of it too because we're very proud of this concept, and I thank Mark Bedane for that. 702-365-9200, brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore, Boulder Highway in Henderson. I'm going out to see Frank again this week, Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. If you got a child, young adult going back to school, high school or college, Great time to walk the lot to see all the great vehicles that they have, the award-winning Hondas, the best financing team in town, the luxury vehicles that they have there, the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. I've been representing them a long time on the radio, and I'm very proud of that relationship because they deliver. Whenever I send anybody over to Boulder Highway in Henderson to see Frank and his team, they come away and say, thanks, JT. I had no idea, other than hearing your spots on the air, how great of a relationship that is. When we come back, more of Raider Nation Radio. Goodbye, NBA. Goodbye, NBA. Hello to training camp in the NFL on Raider Nation Radio. Rebbia to Taylor. And a fly ball to left center field. This one is on its way, and it is gone. Make it a two-run shot. It is six to five. That was a big home run. That was a big one for the Dodgers, as the Dodgers are really in a battle with the San Francisco Giants. JT, back with you as we wrap it up. Good to be back from vacation, and the next uh, spot for me to be away for a little bit will be heading to Canton with Tom Flores, Charles Woodson, the Raider Nation, uh, later on at the end of the first week in August, and we'll gear up for that. There's going to be a lot of talk here coming up. Next week, we'll be doing several shows over at the Raiders because of training camp getting underway, as we talked about, which is a really big training camp, really big. I'm fascinated to see what happens with the limited time that John Gruden and Tom Cable, the limited time they get to practice with the players and pads, they're going to have that. They're going to have that great trip to L.A. to practice against the Rams, who are a very good team. Uh, that'll show a lot with this team. But the access that the media will have with COVID, it's going to be interesting to see how much information we're able to see with our own eyes. But I'm encouraged about being out in Henderson and just seeing how Gus Bradley lines them up and who's going to play in the depth chart and. What the writers look like, which hopefully it's vastly improved on defense. We're going to spend most of training camp talking about the writers' defense. Obviously, the stars are on offense. We have all year to talk about them and their production. Carr, Waller, what we expect out of Ruggs and Renfro. But the defense is the priority if the Raiders are going to come out of the gate and really do a big job. 
Thanks to Bobby who put the show together, Russell Baxter, the football guru, Bill Huber who joined us. And we said goodbye to the NBA and hello to Raiders training camp. Big show lined up tomorrow too. We got a Raider alumni coming in to talk about Tom Flores. Find that out ahead of the show at Twitter, at JT the Brick, Facebook at JT the Brick. Thanks to all of our partners here on Raider Nation Radio. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.